What's up, botherinas? This is your head botherina, Mr. Ty Rivera. I just wanted to do a quick intro for this one. I have my friend Nani Shanae on today's episode, and I know that it's not been weekly that I've been putting these out, and I will correct that. It's just been kind of hard to figure out the scheduling because I do the daily... Lately, I've been doing the daily vlogs on... YouTube, which is youtube.com slash Ty Rivera, if you guys want to check those out or if you haven't checked them out already. And it's fun and it's great, but sometimes it's kind of hard to figure out when I should post this. We recorded this one on uh, midterm election day. So last Wednesday, I think that Tuesday that was. And I know that it's been a couple of weeks also since I put one out, like I said, and that was because the last one was also my friend Trey. And I wanted people to really listen to that one or get a chance to listen to it. I will get back to regular schedule. I do promise that. So uh, I apologize. And if you're a loyal botherina, you know how it go, booty ho. I will get it together, but... Let's work on that for next week because this one is probably going to come out. It's Monday. Uh, it's right now. It's uh, Veterans Day, so it's Sunday, and then tomorrow is going to be Monday, and I'll put it out tomorrow, and then we'll get back on the every Wednesday schedule. And I'll try my best. Like I said, I'm not trying to be weird about this, and I'm not trying to forget about unbothered. I just had to go back to guests because with doing the daily YouTube clip, it's like, I don't always want to just talk about me on unbothered at the end of it all, because I'm like, I've already talked about me enough. So I get to introduce you to my friends. This is Nani Shanae. She's really great. She's LGBT. She's the L in LGBT. And I've known her for quite a while now and I like her a lot, but I didn't know her backstory. So it was good actually getting to hear her backstory. You know, you get bits and pieces when you're a comic. You see each other out at gigs and you'll talk for a little bit, but you don't get the full story. And we still didn't get the full story. You notice towards the end, we really start getting into the meat of some stuff. I mean, like we have a great conversation, but like towards the end, you hear us start talking about our views and that kind of stuff. And so I'm sure I'll have her on again at some point if she'll be open to doing it. But this time, was just an introductory and I hope you guys get to meet her and I hope you guys get to know her and I hope you guys follow her on social media. So this is Ty Rivera and I hope you enjoy. Let's get unbothered. Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered but that's what's cute because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. So you're actually considering the two bedroom or yeah. okay. Yeah. I like them. I like the two bedrooms. They're nice and roomy. Yeah, and then what you're you were cuz you were saying that gas, do you guys not cuz you're East Coast New York. Yeah. All right. And so do you guys only have gas there or does Pretty it just much, more? Yeah, yeah okay. No, I mean the new buildings are probably electric, but this girl cannot afford a $6,000 one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> so all the traditional New York apartments are gas. Yeah, I've always heard, well, not, you know, it's been forever now that New York has been so expensive that yeah, it's just, yeah, it's ridiculous. You guys in 
San Francisco. I mean, like even yeah. oh, more yeah. than LA. But a friend of mine, her her brother was thinking about moving, and he's to New York, and he's uh, really brainy. And he was like, "But is it really more money?" He was like, "Because you're not gonna have your car. So think about what you pay for your car. Think about what you pay for your insurance." And then he was like, "And then imagine that you don't have to have that." So. Well, I have never had a car insurance, and I have never paid $6,000 for an apartment. Yeah, no, so, but I mean, like, for an average apartment, and you are, like, a, you it know... It depends a, where you live. Yeah, I mean, I like the South Bronx, because I'm a Latina, so I can get, like, a nice one-bedroom in the South Bronx for 1500 But if you're talking, like, Manhattan, you're you're talking at least four grand for a lower east side crappy cockroach infested hole in the wall that's a four-story walk up yeah a friend of mine lives in new jersey but it wasn't like she was shooting for new york and landed in jersey she's from jersey you know so uh and you know it it seems maybe i don't know it well enough but it seems like that's manageable enough when you take the train city jersey yeah she's jersey city because i lived in elizabeth new jersey for a little while i went to a movie in elizabeth did i go to the movie in elizabeth or is that where we went to brunch with our friend that was Probably trying to pick brunch. up on it's me. It's a big a creep. brunch pr- place. Okay, um, it's maybe. right outside of right outside of Jersey City. So you almost Elizabeth is where really the airport is. Okay, a lot of people don't understand that's really like the town right there. If you drive through like what looks like a little city, uh-huh. that's Elizabeth, New Jersey. Okay, it's all Latino, like. All Latino and Italian. It's a very interesting mix because it's dock workers and airport workers. Mm-hmm. But like I lived in right in downtown Elizabeth and I had a studio for $400. Okay. You're not touching a studio in New York City in any of the boroughs for $400. And what I mean, would be the lowest you could probably get uh, like a studio, you know, New if York? You're really lucky, maybe 1200 Yeah. Yeah, if you're really lucky and that's like, it's a rent-controlled unit, so the person's actually illegally renting it to you, and they... And you're you know subletting. That. Yeah, and <laughs> you're subletting. not even subletting, like, you can't even get mail there. Like, you're that illegal to where, like, you're not supposed to talk to the neighbors, you don't get mail there, you never answer the door unless you exactly know who's standing outside, because uh-huh. it could be the landlord. <laughs> like, that's how rent control works in New York City. Like you have a deal with somebody and they trust you. Yeah. And you'll be lucky. Then you could probably find like a $900 apartment. But to be legit, we're talking like 15 and above. Wow. And I I like being legit because the whole thing is too, if you get caught living in a rent controlled unit, you have three days to get out. Well, see, that's (laughs) my thing too. Like I can't be that person that, because there were options in LA, you know, because obviously different parts of LA, rent control, different people have different agreements. There was this one part apartment in Hollywood that, um... I guess rent control in that part of Hollywood was no longer a thing, but since the people were grandfathered in at that apartment, it's just like, this is what it was. So they just kept passing it from one person to the next. And there were several comics that lived in there. It's right near the park on Orange and Hollywood. 
Yeah, I think it's orange in Hollywood. Yeah, you're not going to find any red controlled over there at all, ever. Yeah, and they, yeah, uh, and uh, Ian Bag even lived there for a short while. Ian Bag, Chris Lizette, yeah, I, I knew several. There's a couple comedians that have that hookup in, in LA where, like, you hear them and they're like, they had it like back in the 80s and now like everybody's lived there at some point in oh yeah well career. i lived in one of the apartments the buildings is like that but it just wasn't you know like a special agreement or anything but yeah um villa elaine is the name of the building and <laughs> it's right uh what is it vine and fountain vine is what it is and so it's right fountain vine like not even a couple blocks from what's it called or just a couple blocks from hollywood boulevard so Hollywood and Vine. So great. I really did like that. Um, yeah, I liked <laughs> living there. <laughs> yeah, but, but I can't do any rental where I could be homeless at the drop of a dime just because somebody notices I shouldn't be there. Yeah, I'm too old for that. Yeah, you know, like exactly. maybe I would have been that adventurous when I was young. Oh, you yeah. Know, 19, when I was a kid. Yeah, then I would And I didn't own anything. Yeah, and like, I didn't what have do dogs. I care? <laughs> like, okay, I'll just go sleep on my friend's couch until I get my shit together. But yeah. Yeah, I'm 41. I'm way too old yeah, for I that Yeah, I got to have a little more stability than yeah. that for sure. So uh, you ended up coming here after growing up in New York. Well, I grew up in Seattle first, but I went back and forth between New York and Seattle. My dad was a military guy. Okay. So when I was little, he uh, didn't want me to, like, to grow up not knowing cultures. Uh-huh. And Seattle was very like... There was the black people lived on the south. I mean, this is the 80s. The black people lived way on the south side. The Asians lived in what used to be called Chinatown. That's now the international district. And like Latinos just didn't really have like a community. They just sporadically kind of lived everywhere. And then they lived in the kitchens. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they just did. You like it bothering us? Like I never could figure out a real like Spanish neighborhood in Seattle. Yeah, I think they kind of also lived on the South End in the black neighborhoods, kind of all mixed in there. And everywhere else was whitewashed. I'm talking like people would question my mom, who is biracial, being on our block. They just assumed she was my nanny. And we lived right out of side of downtown. We didn't your live mom in like is, a fancy uh, neighborhood. Because most people would look at you and assume you were probably, I don't know if, well, maybe to the trained eye, if you're familiar with people that are uh, multi, multi-ethnic. Because uh, I, I wouldn't confuse you for just being a white woman. Yeah, most, pe- most people can. I get a lot of like, what are you? Yeah, there's. I a get st- tons of what, especially if my hair is curly. Like my hair is naturally like kinky, curly, like like a Puerto Rican girl. Uh-huh. So when my hair is like that and like when I'm a little more filled out, people can tell, especially in the summer because I tan instead of burn. But I'd imagine if people really wanted you to be white, that's what they'd pretend oh, they yeah. thought you were. Oh, you know what I mean? Of, I So part of my childhood too, because my mother passed away when I was young, I grew up in foster care as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a lot of like foster parents literally would be like, don't tell anybody you're mixed. Yeah. Like white white foster parents mainly. We don't want anybody to know. Like I had very racist uh, foster parents that were literally like, we don't want anybody to know we have a colored girl in our house. Yeah, well. And so I got, I, I was trained to play the white Christian girl card. And 
I'd always get caught though. It's amazing. Like, I mean, first off, my name's Nani Shanae. Like, what white girl has that name? But it would usually be another Latin woman or black woman that would point out, like, no, I know you're not white. Like, mm-hmm. I know there's something going on there. So, yeah. and and then you know, my foster parents would get, why do you tell people? And it's like, it's you know, I look like a mixed girl, especially when I was younger. You know, I did look like a mixed girl. So it's like, come on, like, why are we, why are we playing the pretend you're a passing card? So as an adult, I just refuse. And your mom was from where? uh, My mom was adopted. um, So I'm not quite sure where she was born because it was a closed adoption, but she was born overseas. And then she was adopted by an overseas family and then adopted again by a family in the States. Okay, and so then well, you're... actually, they were Canadian because they adopted her in Canada, and then they all moved to the states. Oh, okay, yeah. And then she was where? Um, when she met my dad, she was actually overseas, and so was my father. My dad was in the military, and she was studying law. She had a law degree um, in West Africa. She worked on like business law, like imports and exports, mm-hmm. international law. Um, and then she met my dad. My dad's also Italian and Canadian, so that's how they connected because they both spoke French. And my mom went back to Canada with him, and then they came to the states too. Okay. Yeah, so I'm super ethnic in a whole bunch of different ways, not even just racially. And then you guys originally landed in Washington, or was it something else first? Brooklyn first. Okay. And then Seattle. I was in Brooklyn as a toddler, and then Seattle kindergarten through, was that, sixth grade. But like I was going to say, my dad wanted me to grow up ethnically diverse Mm because I was ethnically diverse but also just around a lot of people he loved New York um, so he would actually send me to his family in New York every summer every holiday Uh, I was homeschooled so like if he would get based in Brooklyn Mm -hmm. we would go live in Brooklyn for a few months so I truly grew up on both coasts okay yeah yeah and then permanently moved to New York when I was 24 Okay. And then, so you were 24 to 40? Yep. Okay. And then what made Phoenix the destination or was it the destination? It wasn't the destination. Vegas was actually going to be the destination. I was, I had an apartment and everything. Helix in downtown Vegas. I had signed. I was ready to move there. I came here for vacation to meet a relative I had never met. Mm -hmm. Um, And I met my partner and I got offered a job, an amazing job, like my four days in. I was here for four days, met somebody and got offered a really good job at a national marketing agency and stayed, just stayed. And how'd you end up getting the job? How'd you even apply for a job? I didn't. um, There was a recruiter I'd worked with a few years ago in New York who had moved out here. And Mm -hmm. she happened to see me on Facebook check in at the airport. And she got a hold of me and she's like, I can get you a job right now making more money than you made in New York, but a lot of money for Phoenix. Like it was more money than I made in New York, which is a good amount of money. Mm -hmm. But then it's a lot of money for Phoenix. When Mm -hmm. I looked at like the cost of living and everything, I was like, oh, I can't give this up. Yeah. And I've been at that one job ever since. And just like that, you were just checked in. Yep. 
<laughs> I moved here with two suitcases and a dog. It's kismet. <laughs> <laughs> it's kismet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it must have been meant to be for you to just, yeah, like find a partner and, I mean... Some of these people running around can't find a partner or a place to live. Yeah, and I got all and of been it. planted for years. <laughs> yeah. There are locals right now that are pissed at you oh, here. Yeah. In Phoenix. <laughs> this bitch came here and lived her best life. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so is and so you obviously like it, except for probably you don't like the heat. I'm sure. Actually, I love the heat. I love it okay, here in the summer. I don't mind. Fine like, with the heat. My first summer here, I didn't even have AC. Yeah, but, so, <laughs> I, but then I learned my lesson. I was like, okay, I'm not going to try that again because that's a little uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. But it's a joke I tell on stage. Uh-huh. I say this is my relationship with Phoenix Summers. I love to look at the sun from my office window, from inside my car, and inside my apartment, where all oh, where there's AC. So, oh yeah. Like I don't understand when people complain about the summers here. Like. Are you outside doing landscaping? What are you doing where you're outside in the sun all day? Oh, yeah. Well, when people ask me, because, you know, people ask all the time when they find out you live here, or people assume that uh, that you're constantly dealing with the heat. And I'm always like, yeah, we just kind of go AC to AC. Yeah. You and know, for like two and a half months, three months. Yeah. And New York, this is the thing. New York gets to be 110 degrees. You guys are humid plus though. Plus a thousand percent humidity. Yeah. And garbage everywhere and the city smells and you mix. And most of the buildings out there cannot have AC, which is why I grew up without AC. So you can't have AC. Why You'll can't they blow, have AC? Because they were all built in the 1800s. Oh, they're yeah. not wired for that. You'll blow out. I mean, like, there was the blackout a few, like, 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. The, you know, people in New York went up to a month without electricity because the power grid just couldn't. It was a blackout caused by all the AC units and stuff. It was one of those 120-degree summers, mm-hmm. and we had a massive blackout because the buildings are just not built for that. I mean, obviously the new 6 to $8,000 a month buildings are, but the old buildings are not built for that at all. So there's tons of people that don't have AC. Yeah, we were just going through that not too long ago and I was in the Bay Area and I think it was August or maybe it was the very beginning of July last year and it was so ridiculously miserably hot. And there's nothing anybody could do about it because same kind of situation. The air, was, the weather was always so cool there and didn't used to get that hot. And so it, there's no AC, you know, it's just what it is. So, yeah, I guess I never really think about, well, most everything in Arizona has been designed for AC for yeah. a long time yeah. now. I mean, this but- city is... New. It's a new city when you think about the United States of America. And 1912 when, was yeah. when Arizona became. Yeah. A, and a, there's no 1912 buildings left hardly. Yeah, Everything I remind people all the time about that when it comes to Arizona because you know Arizona does make some really dumb mistakes when it comes to politics and stuff like that. And I'm like, we're like a hundred years younger than the rest of the states, so it's kind of like yeah, it's we'll, still we'll getting its shit someday. together. <laughs> yeah, and and I hope it happens soon because Arizona is a beautiful beautiful place to live but the thinking here is backwards i don't know if you've noticed that or you've felt it and there doesn't seem to be a real sense of community here which i think also is in part due to the fact that there isn't a lot of history here yeah i think that is too i mean you don't 
you you might find a family here to here there that can go back maybe three or four generations, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Where in New York, like you meet somebody and they can go twelve generations back to a founding family oh, sometimes yeah. or you know, or a slave or something, or like my grandfather got off the boat. 200 years ago and built my mom's house in the Bronx. Yeah, our descendants of the Mayflower. Yeah. Like, yeah. Some weird stuff like that where they're like a walking history book. Yeah, I had a friend that was one of the descendants of the Mayflower and they have the full like tree and, you know, yeah. like how, okay, this is where it started. And then, you know, it's one of the Kitchells who's oh, okay. the construction you see yeah. all over yeah the kitchens uh but yeah so um so you cuz you're lesbian yes and you came out at what age or did you officially come out at any point or because I you were mean, a foster home did it make it so, so it wasn't traditional I, I didn't come out i didn't ever have to come out to my actual family um both of my parents are bisexual so there wasn't really like uh my dad just would joke yeah we knew you were gay when you were like four like I was in love with the neighbor girl in my kindergarten class things like that I just never really never was interested in boys Mm -hmm. and it wasn't boys are yucky it was yeah I'm not interested in boys like I already kind of had I was a I was a very grown-up little child that way. I kind of knew who I was. It wasn't about sexuality. It was just like... What you liked. My, my boys are friends, you know? Mm-hmm. I just, oh, that's my friend. But I, I had, like, I, Jane. Her name was Jane. And uh, I had a crush on Jane when I was in kindergarten. And I knew the difference between Jane and my best friend. Uh, I think his name was Paul or something like that. This little red-headed boy. Mm-hmm. I distinctly already knew a difference. Okay. Like, I didn't really, I couldn't verbalize it, obviously, because I wasn't like, oh, I want to have sex with Jane. It was just like, I like, I could already feel that I had a different like for Jane than I had for the little redhead. Yeah, like you like that energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, so I relate. I didn't, I didn't have to come out to my family. Then I had to go into the closet uh, when I went into foster care at 11. And then I did try to come out. And I was abruptly kicked out of that home. Um, and so then I went back into the closet again. Then when I was 16, I, like, put my foot down. That was the start of, like, gay pride. Like, really... So were you 11 when you were in that foster home and tried to come out? Or was that, like, a little bit further I was, on? like, 12 or 13 because I was okay. in middle school. Um, so I was, like, 12 or 13. So that was, like, the late 80s, early yeah, 90s? that was a very early 90s. Yeah, so you couldn't come out. Yeah, yeah. a lot of people don't get how far we've come just in that oh, yeah. amount of time. No, it was, it was like you couldn't yeah. to come back. Even when I was in high school, I was... Hate crimes were going... Like, I was shoved against lockers. Oh, and, yeah, of course. I'm I sure of it. I had one high school, I had a principal that had to let me use the staff bathroom because, seriously, the school from parents... And you're lucky he did it or yeah. they did it. You know, because, like, back in those days, it was, like, considered like that. Like, you're lucky anybody yeah. is nice to you. You're lucky oh, anybody yeah. helps you because it's just... It was so not tolerated. Well, honestly, I think the only reason they did it is because I was a foster care kid, so... So, like, you know, I had a social worker and everything. I had people I could call. Yeah. Um, that they would get in justice problems yeah. if they didn't take care of me. It wasn't just like, oh, you'll tell your parents and we'll write it out. No, it was like, I will tell the state yeah. that I'm getting bullied here. So I was lucky that way. But still, like I said, high school was 
really hard. I came out. So when I was 16, it was 94. So we had just gone through Ryan White. We had just gotten over that. We had just figured out that you're not going to get AIDS from a water fountain. Oh, and here's the other thing. My mom did pass away from HIV uh, when I was 11. I was kicked out of that school. The uh, My mom died on a Saturday night. Uh -huh. I went to go to school on Monday and like not even an hour into school, the principal came into my classroom and got me, took me to the office, said he had gotten a call from another parent. It was somebody that lived in my neighborhood that found out my mom had HIV and called and said they would pull their kids out of the school if I was allowed to keep going there. So I was actually suspended from school because they were afraid that I had HIV. Yeah. Oh, um, how had you found out that she contracted, or did you ever find out how she contracted it, or did that we ever become? We don't know, but uh, four of her lovers within like two years also passed away from HIV. So we don't know if it was through drugs because you know she was a she was a professional partier. She wasn't like she didn't have a obvious drug problem. She was a lawyer. She had a professional career, but she also was an entertainment lawyer. Around lots of rock stars. One of the Studio 54 types. Yes. Yeah, totally that lifestyle. Okay. My, my parents had that lifestyle. Like we would just go to go to London for the summer while my mom partied and my dad partied with her. Um, but my parents were upper middle class so that we could do stuff like that. You know, she would go on a tour to Europe and we'd be, so that's why we'd be in London for the summer. So why'd they artist. take you away from your dad? Because it would have been like you would have been left with your dad, right? Yeah, my mom was already remarried at the time. Okay. So my uh, stepfather was not able to parent me. And so they just put me into the system. And it took a couple years to like get that figured out. I lived with my dad for a few months. His wife was did not like children at all. Um, she had actually had a child and adopted the child out yeah she was like if i'm yeah, not yeah. having my kid yeah, I'm not she, having yeah exactly else's. she's like i'm definitely yeah, not I'm raising sure. your child yeah. so i only lived with my dad for like three months and went right back into the system mm. and waited out the rest of my childhood in the system i aged out at 18 so seven years in yeah. the system yeah and did you have trouble readjusting because like i have a f well i had somebody that i was with in a relationship with um that had that happen and he really had trouble, you know, like got addicted to drugs and was really had a hard time. I, I was lucky I, I didn't, but that's because I was also thoroughly one of those people that if you told me I was going to be some way, I would told, I would prove you that I'm not. If you told me I wasn't going to do something, I'd prove that I could. So like, you know, growing up in foster care, you have everybody, oh, you're poor, you're trash. You'll you're never be. You'll never be anything. Mm -hmm. You're never going to go to college. So I did all that. I went to college homeless. Like I was living on the streets, working two full-time jobs just so I could pay to college go to college because I wanted to prove to everybody like fuck you no I'm not gonna be another story so I actually stayed away from drugs I didn't even drink until I was in my 30s wow because I was so scared of like I was terrified of like being that drug addict yeah being turning that into alcoholic. what they said yeah so I like stayed away from all of that I worked in the entertainment industry too just like my mother um but I just I was the mom I was like what you call the rave mom 
I could find you all the drugs. I knew how much drugs you should be taking. I knew how to get you off the down from the drugs and recover from the drugs so you could go to work or record your album. I knew all that, but I wouldn't do the drugs with you. And what were you doing in the entertainment I was, industry? Um, I started out in promotions, so I would like break records. Uh, when a record would come out, I'd make sure all the DJs got it and it was being p- played in the clubs and things like that. And then I worked up to a tour manager. So I worked on international tours, taking care of grown men on drugs a lot. <laughs> okay. Because that's, you know, you do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then the music industry tanked and I went into marketing. So I've been working in marketing and PR ever since. So were you working for big groups or were they international? Big big groups. Okay. uh, Like Grammy Award winning artists. I was at a record label. Okay. Yep. And then you ended up um, in marketing after that? Yep. And then what, like, what were you doing in marketing or what did... I've always done digital communication. So even, so as the internet came out... And, you know, my first foray into digital marketing was doing MySpace pages for music artists while I was at the record label, um, you know, and fan pages on Yahoo. Like, that was part of my job, mm-hmm. um, working in promotion. So I just kept up with that industry in the entertainment industry. So as soon as the entertainment industry started tanking, it wasn't that hard to go into corporate. When's I already... the last time you've been on MySpace? <laughs> Actually, I have a friend in London because it's actually big overseas. It's still up and usable. There's people who still use MySpace. I know it's still oh, up. Yeah. I just don't know. I never yeah, knew no, who was using it. Nobody in the U.S. It. uses it. And it's I tried mostly, to go on it, and it wasn't like user-friendly no, at not, all. It's, it's like, not at all anymore. Um, but I do have a friend that still uses it. Um, he's an African artist, actually. He lives in London now because um, he's working on his album. But it's big in Africa, like especially in South Africa, which is where he's from. So I go on there every like three months to check out what he's put Wow. Out. And is it still a lot of graphics and all the same stuff no, that it used to no, be? No, it's cleaner now. It, okay. Like, have you seen About Me? aboutme.com. No. So it's like one of those. It's like a landing page now. Like it's like the whole backdrop is like a picture that you upload. And then it's just got a music player now. It's very simple. Okay. It's really boring and simple now. But I can see why people overseas use it because it's free. And you can use it on your mobile phone. And you got to remember like especially in African nations and the Middle East... Um, that's, people don't have computers. They don't have laptops. They literally live on their cell phones. Mm. So that's why simple, you know, just push button websites like that are really effective over there. Yeah. Makes sense. Over here, we like everything fancy and we want widgets and all that other stuff. But, you know, in third world countries. I don't. I'm kind of tired of fancy (laughs) personally. Uh, I'm getting ready to get rid of my watch because of that. I like your Apple Watch. I have an You're Apple Watch. One of wa- the least douchiest people I know that wears an Apple Watch. Yeah, and I and I see why. <laughs> yes. And I will soon be a person that doesn't wear an Apple Watch anymore. I can't deal with it. I can't too much. It's I need it. I I just need a watch. 
Like, you just need to know what time it is. And I don't even need to know that. I just need a stopwatch so when I'm on stage, I can see it. This like watch is not good as just a watch. You know, yeah. I don't need anything to give me alerts. And I've already shut a bunch of shit off. And that's what I was uh, like, what I mentioned right before we started when I was like, well, that shouldn't be happening. And I looked at my watch. Oh. That wasn't me being pleased with the notification. That was today. I shut off all my notifications, supposedly. And then I end up getting a YouTube mess it you know or yeah. and i was just like youtube why is anything coming in on my watch i shut everything off today so i'm getting ready to get rid of it i can't do it and that's one thing i'm sorry to interrupt you but i had to get unbothered about that now i've talked <laughs> about it i'm gonna give it to my niece i'm not i'm I, i'm gonna get me a 30 dollar watch <laughs> and i'm not joking next time you guys see me i'm gonna be wearing a 30 dollar watch just something a to B. Ty has turned into old man that wants everybody to get off his lawn. 100%. <laughs> get off my digital lawn. <laughs> I want everybody off my digital lawn. Uh, what is there anything? Let's, let's do that really quick. Is there anything that you want to get unbothered about? Is there anything that's been bothering you maybe in the scene? I or? sits listening to your podcast and bothered every day and it's completely your fault. I'm the reason you're bothered. <laughs> no. Well, get unbothered and I guess no. get unbothered about me. I, you know, at this moment, I don't, I don't really know. Um, the newest thing is, of course, I watched John Legazamo's special last night. And oh. I just, I love how thoroughly in love with being Puerto Rican that he is. I just started watching that. Huge coincidence. Yeah. I just started watching that last night with my silly boyfriend. I didn't, like, where, um, where are we at? Because um, for anybody at home that wants to check it out, it's on Netflix and it's John Leguizamo, The History of Latinos yeah. for Morons, I yeah. think is what it was called. For fucking morons, uh, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, like, you know, so far I'm pleased. You know, that's one of the things that uh, a lot of people don't get. Like some people think they have to explain to me what a one person show is because I wasn't a fan of Nanette. Right. And it was like, oh, no, I'm familiar with the one man show. There's actually one person shows that I've really enjoyed. One of my best friends, Margaret Gomez, you know. She does amazing one person shows. Yes. She I love is, her one person shows. Yeah. And I've known her for so long and I really love her one person shows. I've been to several of them. Another Latina. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, you don't have to tell me how this works. It's just supposed to still be entertaining. And I know there will be different points where there's different emotions. You know, that's a part of a one person show in a lot of cases, not always mandatory, but in some cases you're going to get a little bit of crying. You're going to get a little bit of anger. You're going to, so I was like, I'm familiar with the format and I really can enjoy that format. So I'm up to, I think the part where he's talking about, um, Christopher Columbus. Yes. Yeah. I just enjoy how thoroughly Puerto Rican he is. And it's not even Puerto Rican because I'm part Puerto Rican. It's just Latino. How thoroughly prideful he is of being Latino while still being with a white woman and having mixed race kids who look somewhat like me. So then when you look at his kids, you're like, oh, okay, yes. they. Mm -hmm. This is what mixed Latino kids look like. We all look passable, but still... Like, okay, what are you? Like, we're, yeah. we're on that that line of, okay, we know you're something. You're not just white. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I love that. So now I'm kind of on this. I wish more 
Latinos had that pride of like, I have this beautiful history. I'm not going to let white people turn me into a lawnmower or a dishwasher. You know, fuck that racism. There's a thorough history there, and I wish we would learn it. I wish we would be like him and a lot of us. I'm self-taught. Like I said, I was homeschooled as a child and then going through foster care. Like you walk in the class and you're immediately sent to the back of the classroom and the teachers just assume you're an idiot because you're in foster care where I'm Mensa level like intelligence. I've tested and all that stuff because I self-taught. Like my nose was in a book. I was Hermione from... Harry Potter just for no reason. Just mm -hmm. because it also, I could go to the library and nobody would mess with me in the library. Bullies don't come into the library. So I spent most of my childhood hiding in the library. Um, and so a lot of the stuff he talks about, I knew, but not because I was ever taught that in school. I had to go find that information myself. I had to have the want to go find that information. And I just think a lot of, People don't, they're just, they get their little bit of history passed down to them and they just keep repeating, oh, I'm going to be this because my parents were this and I'm going to live on the West side in poverty because my parents But did, you know, when it do. comes to Latinos, like I personally feel that in a lot of cases, because his the title of his show or his one person show is cute to me. Yeah. But at the same time, it does kind of convey the attitude that how Latinos have in a lot of cases when they're teaching other Latinos things. And sometimes it's like, I don't want you calling me a fucking moron. Yeah. I don't think you're that smart. Like, and there's, there's parts cause I really enjoy John Leguizamo. And like I said, I like it so far, but there's parts when I'm watching even now where I'm like, this is that typical Latino shit where it's like, you're going to tell me what everything is. And <laughs> it's, it's Puerto Rican shit. Puerto Ricans are like that, but we love telling people things, but Latino in general, that's the way of teaching things. And it's a really in, effective way of yeah. doing things. It's one of the reasons that I feel like in a lot of cases, Latinos don't necessarily uh, help each other out is because there is a lot of resentment when a person teaches you in a way where it's like, you're an idiot. It's kind of like, well, now I don't like you. So yeah. maybe I learned something, but I don't like you. you yeah, know? I can see that. I got Well, I got that from my Latino when I was blessed enough to get a Latino teacher who automatically would look at my name and knew automatically where it came from and looked at me and were like, okay, you're, you're definitely Latina. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. They would start talking to me like I was an idiot. I'm like, I don't have down syndrome. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, well that's, uh, so it's like, it's, it's cute, but I, I'm glad we talked about that because I think that's a part of why in a lot of cases, you don't always have Latinos supporting each other the most. Which brings us to today, which is uh, midterms, yeah. was midterms. Election day. You voted? Yes, I did. Did you vote early time. or did you go? No, because of when I moved here and then even moving while I was here, because I, you know, I, I moved into Sunny Slope first and then we moved downtown. Um, I didn't get to switch over fast to get up. everything switched yeah. over in time to vote early, but I got everything done to where I could go vote. Okay. Uh, I didn't want to, I mean, I probably could have done provisional, but then your vote doesn't really count. It's too much of a shakeup. I was like, no, I will drive back to sunny slope. I will go vote 
at the first place I was registered at. I'm going to go in person. I went before work, did all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and were you... Um... I will say I did not like being accosted in front of the election booth. So this is a thing, too, that's very... That I've never noticed before anywhere else I've lived. So in New York, I think it's like 300 feet. Nobody can be within 300 feet of the polling station. And on the same premises. So like where I voted in Sunny Slope, it's a the senior community center is two buildings. Mm-hmm. Well, the building that you go into to vote, there was nobody standing right there, but in the parking lot to that building and in the building in front of that building, like you had to walk through a gambit of people. And I just automatically, people were like, do you understand what you're voting for? I'm like, yeah, I read some stuff before I came here. Like, and what were the people <laughs> representing? Or did you even hear what? I didn't what? even, I just was like, I, I have shit to do. Yeah, because I was going to do right just fully you. mail it in, but yeah. then that didn't end up happening by um, October 31st. Yeah. So I, um, you know, you can... You basically just cut the line because you've yeah. already got your ballot. It's all filled out, you know. So I, it was it was that, and I didn't even see anybody out. But you know, I don't know what was. It was a oh, church I was slope. at. Yeah, Sunny Slope was the senior center. Was tons of people. I think there was a bunch of people shaking hands, so they were probably running for something. Like I said, I didn't even. I I had places to be and that's one thoroughly New York thing I do. I will walk right past you and not even act like you're alive. Yeah. If, if I've got places to go. No, I'm, yeah, uh, I'm not from New York, but I definitely have that gene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I definitely will just blow right past yeah, you like yeah. a ghost. You know, yeah. there's like, you're nothing not there. there. Yeah, I don't even I see anything. Yeah, I'm not angry. I'm yeah, not, I'm not angry. angry. You're I just, just not there. Yeah, do. you just don't exist. Yeah. I'm not mad at the air I pass every day. You <laughs> yep. know, it's just air. It's yep. like, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and are you a person that, if you don't mind answering, are you a person that votes straight across Democrat or are you? No, actually, I vote for who I think would be best to represent whatever they're running for. Uh-huh. Um, three of the people I voted for were actually Republican because they were just better than the Democrat. They can were I ask you about against. one in particular and you can tell me if you're not if you're not willing to answer or not? Were you uh, a McSally or were you a cinema or were you? I did cinema. I did like cinema over Sally. Okay. I mean, they're both problematic, honestly, in their own ways, but I take the least problematic person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, just. A lot of voting is that. It's not good against bad and people keep trying to make it that. And it's not that. Like, honestly, in the presidential election, I worked for um, a PAC, a super PAC, mm-hmm. and of course we were pro Hillary. But I was always the whole time like, well, it's it's not great against really not great. Mm-hmm. It wasn't good against bad. It was just not the best against really not the best. Yeah, I think all of uh, well, and it's not no, always. I, I it's can't not say always good. It's not always <laughs> cut and dry. It's not always good against evil. It's not that. It's just. Who is the person that's going to mess up the least against minorities, gays, and the disabled? That's really where my head's always at. Like, how effective are they going to be at not screwing up this country? Yeah. 
I, that's why I voted for Trump. And I know a lot of people didn't agree. That's where we, yeah. But it really was <laughs> why I voted for him because I just feel like he always tweets everything out and telegraphs what he's going to do so we know to stop him. Yeah. Where well, I felt like true. Hillary was really good at just getting things through on the sneak if she needed to, you know? So it's like... and. It bothered me that everybody saw her as a blessing. If more people saw it like that, then I could have oh, I didn't, at I least definitely entertained didn't it. See her as a blessing. Yeah. I just saw her as not as evil as Trump. Well, I think <laughs> that's why we're so friendly, and that's one of the things I do like about our friendship is that I know that you don't agree with me in certain ways, but it's not like a contentious thing, and it's not like a we're forgiving each other for existing type yeah, of thing. No, it's just like oh, you voted for Trump. Okay, well, I've worked for him. So I refuse to vote for him. Uh-huh. <laughs> like that douchebag still owes me money. Matter of fact, yeah, because he did not give me my last paycheck. <laughs> so you know, I just won't work for somebody that owes me money. Yeah, I have a friend that uh, is like more removed than that. You know, like your yeah. situation, but <laughs> his family got wrecked because of one of his greedy uncles read the art of the deal, oh. and they were all in business together. You know, nice. like they have a actual family business yeah. <laughs> and so it just wrecked his family and I shouldn't be laughing but I am sort of like you're a little too close for me yeah. to really take your opinion you know you're just, exactly. it's not his fault your uncle's a dumb dick or yeah. you know like <laughs> but yeah thank you for reminding me of that uh but yeah and, and so uh so cinema I also um Ended up voting for cinema, and I'll tell you, it made me laugh when one of my family members <laughs> that happens to be just a, a lot more, I guess, straight across uh, towards the right was like, you shouldn't be voting. <laughs> I was like, I shouldn't be voting. I just wow. told you one person, yeah. and like, now I should lose my entire right, but it was funny. We, you know, my family doesn't really care about that stuff in the way that, like, where we argue about right. it or get angry. You know, I, it's one thing I don't like about politics is a lot of people can't discuss them. And I feel like who you vote for doesn't mean that's who you are. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, the family members that I've gotten into heated arguments with about Trump, it wasn't actually Trump. It was their, their racist, like the person is racist. Oh yeah. And like, I should have 20 semi-automatic weapons in my house with my four-year-old unlocked. That was more the stuff we argued about. Yeah. I was like, well, you're just an idiot because those guns that you say you're stockpiling to protect your family are going to kill your family because they're going to shoot through walls, you fucking redneck. Like, that's more what we got in arguments about. Not that they voted for Trump. I think they're an idiot because they did because... They're poor white trash, and Trump is not for poor people. He is mm-hmm. for the rich. I mean, he's a rich dude. He's for the rich. Duh. Like, he's only proven that his whole entire life. So I'm like, so you, I mean, they're the coal miner people. They're like the, we vote for him because he's going to bring back our jobs. I'm like, no, go the fuck back to school and get a new job. When you look at the, what's it called on that, though? That's where Hillary really fucked up. When she said, we're going to put a lot of coal miners out of business. Yeah, you don't tell people that. You say, we're going to help coal miners better their life yeah you don't is, say like we're gonna make you homeless that's what i was like yeah, yeah her being an idiot because it was like oh okay so i'm gonna go if she becomes president i'm gonna go from hard working to unemployed yeah 
You know, what if exactly. I'm still willing to work hard? You know, exactly. like, because it's just, yeah, her these people aren't skilled. Bad. Her wording was definitely bad on a lot of things. I kind of am wondering who wrote her speeches. Yeah, and that, you know, the basket of deplorables, I personally wasn't offended, but, like, I know a lot of people were. And so it's just kind of like, you know, when you're trying to hopefully sway people to... Yeah, probably calling them names isn't, but honestly, they were back basket of deplorables <laughs> but i'm not running for president so i can say that i guess it's all right like you know definitely you can say whatever you want but it's just like for me i in that way have always tried to keep a bit more of an open mind even when it comes to the people on the left that i think have gone too far because i think eventually one day they could you know come to some middle ground because I think that's a lot of what happens with politics right now is like people get mad at each other and then they call each other names and then they don't make any effort from that point on to find common ground. Yeah, they don't ever reconnect. Like, I can say you made some bad choices, but we can still be friends. Yeah. I'm just one of those people. I'm not going to be like, cut you out of my life because of who you voted for. I may second-guess some of your choices in life after that, but I'm not, not you, but just in general. But like I said, I look at the whole person too. Like, okay... If you did this, but you're generally an awesome person everywhere else, well, okay, that was just what you did. But if you did this, but then, like I've pointed out, some of my half family, you're white trash, redneck, racist fuck on the side. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't really dislike you because of who you voted for. I just like you because you're an asshat. Yeah, what you stand for. <laughs> yeah. That's the way I felt about um, a lot of people on both sides this last election. You know, I wasn't happy with our country in general. I mean, like, in the in the way that that's handled. Even now, the way uh, everything gets handled. But, you know, it is what it is. People are uh, big into picking teams and feeling like, this is my team. This is what I do. And to me, it's such a dumb way to do things. It's like, you know, uh, I love certain brands. I wouldn't want all my outfits to be 100% that. Yeah. Well, like I always say, you know, you can, and I got it from Dogma. It's one of my favorite movies. I'll always have ideas. I'll never have beliefs Mm -hmm. because I just, because, you know, new information comes out. People change. Society adjusts. Like, well, that's what I'm saying, especially because nothing was possible when we were young. Oh, yeah. You know, we were never going to have a black president. People would have laughed at you if you had said we were going to have a black president. I never would have been out at work. Like, I have a gay pride flag on my desk. Yeah. You know, my vice president of my company is a gay man. Like, if I had told my parents when I was a little kid that I was going to work for a, a national marketing firm and my vice president was going to be a married, married, legally married gay man yeah. and I was going to be out at work, m- even my gay parents would have looked at me and went, what kind of drugs are you on? Yeah, none of it was possible. None of it. <sighs> it's nice, though. It's nice being where we're at. And now you're in Phoenix. Yep. No plans of moving. This is... No plans of not moving either. I'm, I'm not that... And I think that comes from living in foster care. Mm-hmm. I, I don't ever cement myself anywhere. Who was the redneck? 
in your family? Oh, it was some like third cousin that I've like never met in my life. Okay. So it was it was easy to discard that person because like we literally never met. And until I did Ancestry.com, I didn't even know that person existed. Okay. Yeah, it was one of those weird like, how did you end up in my family? But okay. I don't come from the most progressive family anyway. Um, so that just then my parent my parents both disowned. Like it was interesting that they met each other because they both disowned their families. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time they met, they had no connection to their families anymore. So I literally grew up an only child with no aunts and uncles, no grandparents, no nothing. It was me and my parents. Okay. Yeah, I've never, I don't understand the whole big family thing. Like, if somebody annoys me, I can walk away at a heartbeat. Like, you just, you don't exist anymore because you're toxic. Like, go away. I don't have that, like, I'm going to keep you in my life no matter how bad you are because you're related to me. I don't have those kind of tie downs to people. Nor do I, but it's because my family, like, I, I have a tight family and we're very much not about that. Well, see, that's good too. You know that's, what I mean? That's like, beautiful. Yeah, you talk about your parents a lot. Didn't you move? You moved back here from LA to like be close to your. Family. Yeah, and uh, and all of us are like the same in that way, where it's like we may have our little. You know, we're human, so we have little disagreements here and there and stuff like that. But like the base, I has a disagreement with somebody. <laughs> the wow, base I've of everybody of in my family is very like you know yeah. not about fucking people over not about being yeah. just shitty people you yeah, know and then so you're going to have the big mama sunday night dinners you may have the argument before that, but everybody's going to sit down and eat together at some point. Yeah, my mom just isn't the one cooking. She's <laughs> not about that life. It's great. <laughs> but yeah, uh, well, you know, uh, uh, more. I think a lot of people get that confused. More people disagree with me than I disagree with. That is true. Like, I really, a, I could take or leave a I lot of I had a conversation opinions. with another local comedian about that, and we were both kind of like... We don't understand why everybody shits on Ty all the time. We don't get it. And then I'm like, and why do people think he's not going to say anything back? Like, is that like a Phoenix thing? And I've had a couple people that are like, yeah, it's kind of a West Coast thing. You shit on us. We just kind of smile back in your face. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not me. That's not me. You, you say something about me and I'm going to say something back to you. Just because I just, I, I want to, re- and it's not even a mean thing. I just want to get it out in the open and figure out what's going on. Did I mess up somewhere? Did I lose something in translation? Did you not really mean what you said and I took it wrong? I mean, I've taken things wrong before. So that's more of a, I'll check you for that reason. Not I because think I'm it also has something things. to do with being gay and brown though. I'm supposed to be honored to be invited to anybody's party. Uh, I'm supposed yeah. to feel like what you're allowing me out of the yeah, kitchen you're allow- and you're, you're allowing me to exist. Yeah. Thank you. No, thanks. Yeah. And I'm so like that's that where people get mad at me because I really don't go for that. And more and more recently, I'm starting to care less and less about all that because the thing that I've noticed is the people that I've gotten into into it with they don't really stick around and it's not like I have to deal with them on any kind of level and I guess it's taken me a really long time to just figure this out or just the years of seeing people pass by where I think of some of the people that I've had some of my biggest where they've really tried to shit on me and then I've come back on them and it's been like 
yeah, those people aren't around. I never should have even given them any kind of play because nobody would know who they were if it wasn't for me having that huge disagreement with them. Otherwise, they would have just faded into nothing. Yeah, I, I kind of, I'm kind of the same way. Yeah, I just, I realize, and that's why I don't really, I'm just like, okay, I don't get along with you. I'm just going to keep living my life and go on because I'm probably going to move at some point. So I'm not addicted to seeing you every day. Mm-hmm. We probably run in different circles because that's the thing. Like, even as a comedian outside of my day job, my whole friend community isn't other comedians that I perform with. Like actually like you and a few other comedians that I am really good friends with, we don't actually perform together that often. Mm -hmm. Like my friends are not people I see every single day in every walk of life. So then if you take the people that I might not like or for some reason we bump heads, that means I'm even going to see them even less. Well, the other thing I don't think a lot of people get in this city, one thing I've noticed in Arizona is if if you don't like someone in Phoenix, they'll try to make you like them or like, you know, they want to discuss it. They want to work it out. And I'm completely fine to just that person doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And I'm not angry, and I don't feel like we have to have any kind of tension when they're around. It's just like you're just like we discussed earlier. You're just not there. That's yeah. what it is. And I don't think a lot of people can deal with that. I had somebody um, come up to me and try to confront me the other night, and I was very honest with them. And I thought I was polite about it. You know, Christopher was with me, and I just was like, you know, I just don't really care. Like, I don't... And it's not a mean thing. And people think it as, oh, this person's being mean. No, it's just like, I'm just letting you know. Like, you don't don't have to fix things with me. There's nothing to fix. Yeah. Like, it... We weren't really friends before. We're not going to be friends now. It's just... It's not a good fit. And then they try to continue. Well, I just think you should know... I don't think there's anything I need to know. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and get out of here. <laughs> yeah. And um, I got up and I walked away. And then this is where people show you who they really are and why you made the right decision. So I get up and I walk away. Uh, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna because you know I can't have you just unload on. Yeah. Me. I don't care. And so I'm not your therapist. Yeah, I just get <laughs> up and I and I didn't say anything like that. I just was like, all right, well, I'm just gonna go inside now. And then you know, so I got up. I excused myself. And then uh, as I'm, because Christopher walked in first, you know, I opened the door. Christopher walked in. Because you're such a gentleman. Because he is my man. I love that boy. Uh, And so I opened up the door. Christopher walks in. And then as soon as Christopher walks in, the dude that's like, you know, was trying to straighten it out with me or whatever, just starts getting like, you know what? You're a fucking asshole. And starts flipping me off. And it's so weird how they do that as you're walking away. Like, what are you proving right now that you can yell out? All you're proving is that I was exactly right to ignore you and tell you I didn't want anything to do with the conversation. Yeah, because you're weird. Yeah, and if that's what you'll turn into, you know what I mean? If that's what it turns into, if it's not just... Because as adults, you could tell me, like, you know, like, hey, I don't really think we're the best match. And so I'm not trying to be rude, but I don't really see a point in us talking or running through it like that. Right. Yeah, it's just it's. It would be. It's very. I've had a. For me, it would be easy enough to just accept that and be like, okay. Yeah. 
Thank I you. I mean, there's a there's a there's a few people I know I've rubbed the wrong way, and it's just like, and I'll apologize to them. Simple apology, and then I'll go about my life. I'm not gonna like. And, it, and if they come back later and are like, hey, thank you for the apology, let's do coffee. Me, I would be like, oh, okay. But I'm not going to go chase them down to try to like be in their life in some weird stalker stalker way. But I ha- I, a lot of my friends hear me say it. I, have this, I just shake my head and go, fucking Phoenix. Like, I do that to every so often. I'm like, I just don't get it. And it's not even just Phoenix. It's just I've been introduced to the most weirdness that I've never had to deal with in my life until I moved here. So I'm navigating it. I'm trying to figure it out. It's different because when you asked that about like, you know, you and the other local comic discussing me and being like, why do it's a weird thing about Phoenix where, um, and I say this as a person that's actually from Arizona. There's in Arizona, there's, it's almost like trailer park, culture in the way that and I'm not this isn't like me trying to be an asshole or but I love right. Arizona I love where I'm from but it's just it helps to understand the psychology of it sometimes if you look at it this way it's sort of like trailer park culture where you know when people live in a trailer park it's like they'll gossip about everybody and talk about everybody and they think it's okay you know, and then they just like, you know, then that person comes up and they act like friends and, you know, it's like, you know. Well, this other person that I was talking about you with, it was because we care. And, then, and, it is an, and it is another friend of yours. And then they'll talk to you about everybody else. And it's just, you know, it's just a cycle that continues. And I'm a person that like just doesn't subscribe to that. I feel like if I'm friends with you now, I'm friends with you when you're not around. That's just yeah. what I am. You know, I don't have hidden feelings towards people as far as you know I secretly don't like them or I wish they I mean like there's some people that I like better than others that's for sure oh yeah but you know that's about being an adult not everybody is number one in my life yeah but I'm definitely not I have a silly I have a silly person and you have a silly boyfriend and nobody goes nobody rises above that yeah just as life yeah I do have my silly boyfriend and we both have cute chihuahuas yeah, where is your chihuahua? She's in bed already. Oh, yeah? They're, they're, they actually put themselves to bed around 8. Like, the oldest one will actually walk into his kennel and go to sleep. You have two dogs? Yes, I have two. I have a 20-pound Yorkie Shih Tzu mix who looks like Chewbacca, who literally looks like Chewbacca on four legs. And then I have the little chihuahua who's okay. 8. Month, well, no, it's the 10th month. She's 10 months because she's one month under whatever the month of the year is. Okay. So it's the 11th month, so she's 10 months old. Okay. Yeah, and she thinks she's the boss of the house, of course, because she's a chihuahua. It's the first time I've had a chihuahua. They're very interesting little dogs. And does the Yorkie let her have her way? Pretty much. He's yeah. just like, whatever. He's he's an old man dog now. He just He'll look at her and be like, eh. How old is he? <laughs> he will be seven this month. After. Does she try to force him to play? No, he actually plays. She doesn't. Oh. She's the more like, I just want to lay on mom's lap all day. And he'll like get toys and want to play and try to play with her. And she's just like, she's a princess. She's a little diva. She's like, no, I'm, I'm getting petted by mom. I don't. She's not having yeah. it. Yeah, she's not having it. And he'll, and then he'll just a couple he'll give up and then just go off with his toy and play by himself. 
he was an only dog most of his life. So it's just like now he's like, oh, he's okay. been yours from the beginning. Yeah. Yes, I actually helped give birth to him. Well, however you say it, I was there when he was born. Um, he got stuck in his mom and like, so I'm the smell. I'm one of the first things he smelled because mm-hmm. I was holding him when he was born. Uh, yeah, I had his mom. Um, he is a Hurricane Sandy puppy. He was uh, born, he was made right before Hurricane Sandy and then born a little while after Hurricane Sandy. So he's my little Hurricane Sandy puppy. Oh, nice. I, I, you know what uh, just popped in my head was you actually went to Washington, D.C. for the, what was it? Was it like a woman's march or? The Kavanaugh hearings. Yeah, I know it was the Kavanaugh yeah. hearings. but The is vote, that... actually. The okay. vote. I was there for the vote. And how'd that come about? That was very interesting. It was actually a connection with another local comedian, um, Amber Webster and Daniel Webster invited yeah, me. Amber. They were they were connected to a women's group, and we all and they invited me to come. Like I said, I've done political action work in the past. I've worked on somebody who's running for senator. I've worked on their campaign. I've worked with. Uh, um, political action networks and super PACs. So I do have a political background. Um, I've also done a lot of advocacy work for women, um, minorities mostly, um, especially around Latina and Native American culture, because that's what I grew up around. Uh, so we all got invited to go to Washington, D.C. and talk to senators. Uh, first one was Senator Flake and his staff. Um, I felt bad because there's nothing worse than talking to a 20 something year old privileged, uh, white woman who has never had to deal with listening to hundreds of people talk about their trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some of us that were talking on behalf of victims, but then there were also actual victims sharing their stories and what they went through and how his appointment uh, reflects badly. On and was that. it like a round table type thing or was yes. it? Yeah. Okay. Because we were in like there was an Arizona contingent. It was me, Amber, her husband, Daniel, and two survivors. Okay. Yeah. So we actually spent the whole entire day in D.C. going from senator's office to senator's office. Um, There was also an outside protest, um, like a filibuster protest that Mm -hmm. went on for three days straight. It was a three-day protest that did not let up in the park right across the street. And how long were you guys there total? Like, you know. Uh, Two days. Okay. Yeah, we were there for two days. So the day before the vote, so the I can't say some words well. The pre-vote where they say this is how we're going to vote and then the actual vote. Okay. And then we came right back. We were back by Saturday, Saturday night. But we got to see the Holocaust Museum, too, while we were there. So I had a nice, uh, I wouldn't say a nice experience. You don't have a nice experience (laughs) at the Holocaust Museum. It was relaxing. I enjoyed (laughs) it. No, it was was a good display. Yeah, yeah. It was was a good display. It was well well done. Um, (laughs) No, I I have a Jewish background through my father. I actually was able to see the memorial that's in the Holocaust Museum for the the work camp that his great aunts died at. Um, okay. His uncle, his great uncle, and two of my great aunts. My grandfather is a Holocaust. Um, 
he was in the military for uh, Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was actually, he fought in World War II. And then my dad was born right at the end of World War II. Um, so my dad grew up in the aftermath of all of that, being a Jewish Italian man, his whole family had to flee Italy because of world war II and go to Canada. So that's how they ended up in Canada. But my dad's thoroughly like Italian. Um, and then he went back later on his own, but yeah. So I grew up knowing about the, not just the story, but the actual trauma. When you hear about the Kavanaugh situation or heard about the Kavanaugh situation, how did you feel about the fact that she couldn't remember anything? That's very standard. Um, You know, my degree is in psychology. My first job, uh, it actually with my degree was working with domestic violence victims. And even right after something happens, victims won't remember all the details. You're in trauma. Your brain literally will shut down and block that part of your memory. That, and I'm talking like just days after. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking 30 years after, and she hasn't wanted to go forward with that story, so she's hidden that story for years, then went to therapy years later, then had to deal with it, but still didn't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And even when she told her story in that letter, it was anonymous. She thought it was going to be anonymous. She just wanted to make people aware that this dude has a background and you might want to investigate him some more. She wasn't trying to take him down. She didn't want to be on the floor of the Senate hall reliving it. She didn't ever think any of that was, she simply wrote a letter that was to get people to just look into this dude. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't, I don't dismiss that she doesn't remember stuff. I mean, I, um, I have autism, so details are something I hang on to, but I obsessively hang on to details. Like I'm one of those people that can tell you exactly what you were wearing the day I met you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, kind of thing. And we've made that joke on Facebook after you had that silly silly stalker moment and mm-hmm. the guy was like well she doesn't remember exactly where she met you and I was like yeah the moon was half mask mm. and it was 11:47, 30 seconds after you but I actually do kind of have a memory about certain situations like that like I can tell somebody 12 years ago what they were wearing when I met them and mm-hmm. how they had their hair and things like that but that's me and that's a quirk about me most victims do not have that and if I had ever gone through trauma like that I probably that wouldn't be something I would want to hang on to either Mm -hmm. um so I believed her but I also like I mean this guy lied he lied on the stand he hid parts he hid that he was uh that a bar that the cops were called on him and and one of his fraternity brothers at a bar like he forgot about that. So he forgot about that and you were involved in a police investigation. She might forget 30 years about what she was doing that night, especially if she was drinking and you were drinking and you were at a party. Like that happens. You come back and do you remember everything you did when you were 
16 years old? I don't. And I didn't even have a fun party life. I was mainly locked in the house and going to church when I was 16. Definitely not. But like I, um, you know, I got hit with a bullet in a drive-by when I was 16, I think. Oh, yeah. Me when I was 17. I can tell you exactly where I was standing when that happened. Yeah, and so it's kind of that one's kind of weird. Like that's where I get kind of thrown off. Maybe sexual trauma is different. Yeah, you it know, is. It, I think it definitely is mm-hmm. because it's not like getting shot with a bullet is physical pain coming out of nowhere. And then where, it's also kind of weird because yeah. I had a bit of sexual trauma too, and I remember. Yeah, most of that. Okay. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I've seen both ends. It's, it's weird because it's it like sometimes it seems like sexual trauma for men isn't even seen as a real thing. Well, that was the nice thing again with the weird words. It wasn't <laughs> nice, but one of the people that was with us was a gay male man who was raped. Okay. Yeah, and that was the nice thing about it. Well, it was it was good <laughs> to have representation yeah, of that. It's that, just that, funny like, that like that like that men are victimized too. Men mm-hmm. can be raped. Well, that's what kind of bothered me with the way the Me Too movement and the Times Up movement handled the Terry Crews situation. Yeah. I think they really it dropped the dismissive. ball on that. Yeah, yeah it was just like it doesn't exist. Like, it doesn't matter. It yeah, doesn't, you're no not a cares. woman. Your your voice doesn't matter as much as ours. Yeah, and I think that it would have been just a good move to just because the more you can show numbers. The more you could show that this is actually happening to people and uh, people, yes, people in general and across, people. yeah. So it's it's like I I always feel like people are dropping the ball with that. Like with the Black Lives Matter situation, I felt that too. Like I understood the the push against the All Lives Matter. Like I definitely understood that. But just when it was like, um, I remember at the very beginning of it, there were a couple of people that I dealt with online where I was like, you know. Latinos have been going through something similar for a long time. And then they're like, you know, yeah, but this isn't about you guys. And it's like, okay, well, if it's not about our my people, then I can't say I'm all about yours. Except we got to start somewhere. See, I, I, I'm a BML supporter. And I see it as this way. We got to start somewhere. Like even with the gay rights movement, we had to start somewhere. We couldn't. We couldn't have the whole entire rainbow at first. Well, it was, Black Lives it was, Matter ended up adopting exactly what I was saying, and well, it was a yeah. much smarter way to go at it. It's it like is, when you tell you, me, like anytime you tell me you don't give a fuck about me, I say well, I don't give a fuck about yeah, you. Yeah, that then that, that whole eraser does, isn't isn't great. That's plot problematic. But I understand the point of starting somewhere. And building from there, but yeah, don't erase, don't like dismiss. Black Lives other Matter people. did that with other people of color at first, and uh, Times Up movement did that with men, and it continues to do that with men. And both yeah. of them are like the worst strategy. It's just like, what are you thinking? Like, how? Why would you think? that people are going to care about you when you outright tell them in so many words you don't care about them. It's like, well, then why am I so invested in you? Do I just want to see you thrive for some reason and me stay exactly where I'm at? 
Can't we come up together? Can't we both just be like, okay, this is a problem. Let's address this. The more numbers we have, the better off we are. But so many people want to do the whole, like, you know, mine was worse than yours. Okay, well, then yours yeah, is worse the, than mine, and uh, you can the, have it. The oppression game. Yeah, and it happens bingo. with everybody. Yeah, and it, it does happen with everybody. And there are certain groups where I do feel like it's okay to be like, yeah, maybe not so much. Like when it comes to... Gay um, white men and black black gay men. <laughs> your, my favorite bit is your bit where you say... Yeah, all or, you have to do is take your dick, take a dick out of your mouth. You're not a minority. I love that because that is true. Like, if you only have to take one little part of you and kind of pass it off, mm-hmm. then how much of am I? Like me, I'm not going to stand up and say I'm an oppressed Latina because mm-hmm. I know I get a pass all the time on my skin tone. Mm-hmm. I know that. I'm definitely not going to take stage over an actual like a black woman or a fully latino woman Mm -hmm. because they've obviously been through some shit that i'm not ever gonna have to deal with even though i've of the same ethnic background like even with my mom i didn't go through any of the stuff my mom went through because i look like my father so you know and just i'm not going to did you ever have problems with people not uh being the most open to you from the Black Lives all, Matter movement? All the time. Well, yeah. the Black Lives Matter movement, not so much, because I was lucky to the group that I was involved with was very multi-ethnic. So mm-hmm. I never, like, nationally I don't understand, and I know there's been, like... Because the Black Lives Matter movement, too, isn't... It's not like the NAACP. There isn't, like one board in charge Mm -hmm. it literally is a different people in every city yeah and even within that city there'll be several groups Mm -hmm. that identify with black lives matter so the group that i was involved with had latina women had asian women you know we were well represented so we heard about the issues other people were having but I wasn't, because I was involved with a college, like on the college level. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a lot more diverse on the college level than maybe it was on the upper levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I heard about the issues, but luckily the groups and the protests that I was involved with in New York were very inclusive. Yeah, I think that might be part of why it didn't turn out to be the most effective as a movement and seemed to have the most longevity was just because there was too much um there's too much division and there wasn't a, like when there's not an actual organization in charge it does kind of like when that one girl got on youtube and was saying that white people should give their uh their inheritance or their oh yeah it's just like you're representing yourself as black lives matter black lives matter isn't disavowing you that's where i think some people need to disavow the same way they want the president to disavow certain things it's like yeah everybody needs to disavow certain certain people toxic people like that when you're gonna get on and say something that stupid where people are just like now i don't even take you seriously on any level 
Yeah. And Black Lives Matter doesn't come out and yeah, say that's not our be, person. You definitely have to be very careful about who you let be your spokesperson, which is also why I, I don't ever want to be anybody's spokesperson. Mm-hmm. I know I say things in my comedy shows that people will not like. And you know what? I'm not trying to be anybody's savior. I don't want to be anybody's mantle. I have my own stuff. Mm-hmm. I definitely advocate for people, but I... I ask them to let me advocate for them. I don't come in going, I'm going to speak for you instead of you speaking for you. Mm -hmm. I'm more of the, you don't want to speak, but you want your story to be told. How can I help you get your... It's the difference of being a speaker and a facilitator. I more facilitate things than I want to be a spokesperson about things. So do you plan to continue in activism while you're here in Phoenix? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm connected to some peons. You know, I'm still connected to Amber and Daniel, and uh, I want to get more connected um, in the Native American community. Um, I'm actually, my grandfather, my uncle, uh, are tribal members of the Blackfoot Nation. I grew up on Indian reservations a lot in my life. Um, My mom... Does, she's Blackfoot as well, mm-hmm. which you'll find a lot of Latinos are actually, when they trace back even just a generation or two, are Native American enough to have tribal membership. They don't, but in Washington, pretty much that's kind of, you go, you go off the tribe or you go into the tribe. And my mom went into the tribe. Like she had tribal membership we lived on a reservation off and on. Um, she married a Native American man. I continued to live on the reservation in foster care. At times, I lived on the reservation. So I've always been very connected to my Native American heritage. I'm more, you know, I do say I'm Puerto Rican, but in that Puerto Rican is Native American. Even the Puerto Rican side, I know there's other you know, there's Aztecs and Mayans, just like John Leguizamo. We're like 45% Native American and then a whole bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of Puerto Ricans are that. Mm-hmm. They're like 45% something and then a whole lot of other stuff. And that's my mom was that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I want to continue that. Um, I like working in the media. The company I work for owns the Phoenix New Times. So I'm connected to activism a lot through there. I get to go out and talk to people, and it's nice, and um, just be connected. So I like doing that. Uh, comedy is my release, though. I'm not an activist when I'm on stage. I'm anything but. But that's because I want people to think. Like, mm-hmm. my comedy is supposed to make... I make fun of stereotypes. So, because I want people to think about those stereotypes. I'm not going to get on stage and tell you how to think. What I'm going to do is show you how ridiculous stereotypes are. Mm-hmm. So, you have any shows coming up? I do. Uh, Sunday, I'm at Six Cents for uh, Derek's show, and I suddenly what, Sunday, just the thirteenth, or do you know? Yes, know. that sounds about right. Friday sorry. the ninth. Yeah. So well, Saturday the tenth. Eleventh. Sorry, it's the eleventh Sunday, eleventh. Yep. So I'm at Six Cents, and then I have another show. And see, I suddenly forgot about all my shows. I have three shows, so you can find my shows. Six cents on Sunday. Yes, six cents on Sunday is the most important right now at this moment. Thank you. Um, So I'm going to do that, and I'm really... Oh, Castaway Comedy. That's what it's called. Sorry, Derek. 
this is what happens when I'm on a podcast. I suddenly forget my my schedule. All good. Castaway Comedy oh, Sunday. Oh, and the game show. November That's what 11th. That's so this Sunday yep. at 8 o'clock? Yes. And then the game show. And then the game show at the grid the following Friday or Saturday. And then I have one more show. Oh, yes. I have Amber's birthday party at Highside on the 23rd. Okay. So, yeah, Amber, we're going to roast Amber Webster. It's going to be fun. Nice. So that's a Wednesday or is that the... That is a Friday. The Friday. Okay. So pretty much every weekend. I have the show every weekend for the next three weeks. All right. Well, everybody, that is my friend, Nani Shanae. This is Ty Rivera. You can catch me at... You know what? Check me out on YouTube. That's the only place to really find me right I now. I love your YouTube channel. Thank you. YouTube.com slash Ty Rivera or just search Ty Rivera. Then go to my blogs. Daily I'm doing something. Once in a while I miss a day, but really it's pretty much daily. And thank you, Nani. I appreciate you. Thank you, world's funniest LBGTQ comedian. In the world. In the world. <laughs> who's always <laughs> unbothered. <laughs> Everybody, whatever you do, stay unbothered. <laughs>